Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and today it's a special day because I am joined by Yahoo draft expert. It is his time of year, (laughs) Eric at home. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a deep dive into some of the prospects that are very likely to be picked early in the 2022 NFL draft. Talk about who they are as players, where they come from, what sort of fantasy impact we believe they could make. Um, We're going to be doing this position by position, one per week, and only the ones that pertain to fantasy, like I just said, between now and the draft. We're going to kick things off today with a look at the top running backs in the 2022 class. Eric, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it is my time of year. My kids might disagree, but, uh, you know, it's it's fun to be here. I love a, I love the series that we've, I think, done now, what, three, four years in a row. It's pretty cool. This is the third year. Third yeah, year. Tweaks to the Rookie Snapshot pod. We That's always all right. have to tweak it a little bit because sure. every year is a new crop of talent. So yeah. we'll maneuver it accordingly. Um, any thoughts about the running backs off the top from you, our expert? Yeah, I think the the general consensus is it's not a a wild and crazy year for running backs. I mean, I think there's some certainly some good talents and, you know, two or three of these guys will probably be their respective teams leading rushers at some point in years, you know, one, two or three or what have you. But uh, and a couple other kind of uni taskers, if you will, guys who do one thing really well or one or two things pretty well, who will have their their footprint on their teams. But you know, there's probably not a true superstar in this class. There's there's one or two that I really like above the rest. But, um, yeah, it's it's a good crop. It's not an amazing one. We know that in fantasy, though, running back, even if the market isn't massive financially for the yeah. position, that rookies do often make an immediate impact. And so for redraft in particular, it's important to look at these guys. You mentioned one or two at the top. I agree. You know, I, it reminds me of the year that David Montgomery came out, right? A relatively shallow class in terms of consensus talent. I think that probably is a great place to start because Brees Hall, who filled David Montgomery's role when he left for the NFL, mm-hmm. is generally the consensus number one running back in this class um a couple of stats just so people can kind of close their eyes and imagine five foot 11 217 pounds he's 20 years old he'll be 21 at the end of may he was a four-star recruit ranked inside the top 150 players at the position coming out of high school 22 scholarships lots of interest from big name schools including michigan and oklahoma but he decided to commit to Iowa State after a single visit. Hmm. Like I said, he filled David Montgomery's shoes as a true freshman from 2019 through 2021. He strung together what many could call a storied college career. He became the first unanimous All-American in Cyclone history as a sophomore, and he set a new NCAA record for number of scores in consecutive games this past season with 24. He was a monster there. I mean, you know, Montgomery was obviously, uh, you know, a very you know household name and has become a starting running back in the NFL. And of course, he was sort of made famous with that uh, memeable uh, ESPN graphic. I think that, you know, compared him to every Hall of Fame running back uh, on the planet, I want to say. But but yeah, I mean, Brees Hall quietly has, has had a, a phenomenal uh, college career and, you know, the team's success has, has been OK. But but really, you know, his his individual 
performances behind what I think is not a great offensive line is, is it has been terrific, especially this past season. But yeah, he stepped right in as a freshman, looked great. So this is a this is a pro back right here. He's he's got the look, no doubt about it. What was the first word that came to your mind when you were reviewing his tape? Yeah, it's got to be burst. I mean, he he really could explode and and uh, and rip off the home runs. I mean, you know, you give him a crease and he's gone, and and it just is that kind of quick acceleration, especially. You know, it reminded me a little bit of early career Levy on Bell in that regard, where you know he'd sort of tiptoe to the line and then all of a sudden, boom! You know, turn on the after jets and you know as he got bigger, his, his speed diminished. But you know, early on, you could you could see once he had lost weight a little bit, uh, the exceptional burst. But talking about uh, Brees Hall, you know, his his body composition is terrific. He had a great workout at the NFL Combine, yeah. maybe even a little bit better than I thought he would. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's really, uh, he's, he's got the total package in terms of running the football. You can question his third down value, but that burst is really, I think his, his superpower, if you will. Well, you mentioned the combine. I think his showing at the combine helped solidify his position as the likely RB one off the board. He recorded speed and burst scores well inside the 90th percentile. So in terms of full package, that's certainly physically what he brings to the table. I also think I, I thought he was I think he's wildly patient. And that's yeah. a really um, maybe underlooked uh, part of his game. My first word was focus because you can just see him lock in like the way he reads the field. You can watch his eyes. He locks in on a hole and he uses that speed and burst to just get right through it. Um, so I think there's a lot of layers to his game. He's not just a physical freak, but also has some maturity to, you know, his technique and the feel for the game as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's easy to look at the long runs and just say, oh, he's a speed guy or, you know, he's just got that straight ahead of speed. But, you know, you watch the way he would kind of manipulate would-be tacklers. You know, I mean, he would he would kind of draw them in and then juke out to the outside or, you know, take angles that they couldn't, couldn't reach him at. I mean, he was very creative in open space too. And he could fit through some tight holes as well. I mean, again, running the football with with his desire, his leg churn, and also those those physical traits that we talked about, boy, I mean, he he looks like your classic bell cow ba- back from that respect. I mean, you want to question his third down value? I'm fine with that. He's got some work to do, but first and second downs, this is your man right here. And I am assuming you're talking about the questions around his third down value because of his use as a pass catcher. Yeah. You know, it wasn't really until his final year that he got a, a real crack at it. But I do think, you know, if we're talking about layers of talent, the progression that he made over his college career is evident in what he put together from a pass catching point of view mm-hmm. in that final year. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of relegated to, you know, screens and dump offs and little flares and things like that. You know, I was it was fascinating because I was I'd watched, I think, four games of him and I realized I didn't see a target more than about five yards downfield. So I went deeper and, you know, I think he was you know thrown to four times beyond 10 yards in three seasons. So, you know, it's not to say that he can't do it. I mean, I think he's shown pretty reliable hands. The pass protection skills have got to get better. Again, something I think with the right technique and time he can be good at. He's not even 21 years old yet, as you pointed out. So, you know, these these parts of his game, I think, can mature. Not everybody walks in the league a, a third down machine. Some guys can, some can't. Some can get better at it. I think he's probably one of those guys. But to me, he's he's more of your classic line up in the backfield. You know, when, you, when you're not going tempo, you sub him out on third downs until he gets uh, acclimated to it. It's not that they can't throw him the football on first and second down. It's just that when it comes to the pass protection skills a little bit, uh, I don't know that I would trust him in, in week one picking up Von Miller or whatever. I don't think that's sure, going to work sure. pretty well for you. Any concern about the odometer rating, right? 800 touches in college. One side of the coin is, wow, he was so productive. The other side of the coin is, oh my gosh, uh, there's some there's some tread on the tires here. Yeah, over a three-year period, that's a high number. Now, I mean, you could argue that there have been backs that have come into the league with over a thousand carries and have, you know, have just been fine in the early parts of their career, but it's something to watch, right? And, you know, I mean, if there's another negative, it's that he had some, you know, a couple of costly fumbles last season, uh, lost to Iowa, I want to say in the third quarter, um, you know, cost his team points on both of them. The one against West Virginia too was costly. Um, 
the, the workload and, and the injury factor that comes along with it. We mentioned the third down stuff. I mean, those are all, I think, fair questions, but it's not anything that I'm going to terribly shred him down for because you pointed out, I mean, they, they did expand his role a little bit last season. He did appear comfortable with it. So you can kind of take baby steps with this, and depending on where he lands, I think he should be fine in that respect. Who are you comping him to? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's funny because a couple different guys came up, and then all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, let me just take a look at this. And I started looking at Jonathan Taylor. And oh, I went, fantasy heads are going to love that. I one, mean, Eric. honestly, he's not as big. He's he's about, you know, 10, 12 pounds lighter. He's a couple inches shorter. So physically speaking, he's a little bit more compact of a version. But basically the same usage in college. Remember, we questioned whether Taylor could be a third down option. And, you know, he, he would catch those little short passes and stuff. I mean, the usage was almost exactly the same. High, you know, carry volume, true workhorse back not a ton of third down value beyond whatever he could do athletically. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't, I didn't even want to say poor man's Jonathan Taylor. I wanted to come strong and just say, he's got a lot of elements of Taylor's game and in what he does. Well, and it's interesting because you said you didn't believe, and I agree with you that the Cyclones had a particularly good or effective yeah. offensive line. And so the fact, and we know that that was one of the question marks for Taylor coming good out, point. right? As Wisconsin's line is solid and, is there something being hidden there? And of course, he landed in Indianapolis, which is like another gift in terms Dream. of the O line. Yeah. Right. But um, but I think those questions have been answered. And so the fact that Hall is coming to the table with productivity despite the line and earning a comp to Taylor from you says a lot about his overall ability and skill set. I, I, you know, you're mentioning we're mentioning the odometer rating and and the carry load. I think maybe that's why I was leaning more towards DeMarco Murray. We all know how that career ended yeah I think we should all remember how it started though you yep. know pretty pretty prolifically um I I also look at the measurables and I just think that like Murray's you know the speed the burst all of that these the pass catching eventual use as a pass catcher um kind of all folded into me that there are shades of of that sort of skill set in Hall's ability yeah he DeMarco Murray ran a sub four, four in college. I believe I could check me if I'm wrong. I, I might be, maybe he was a little over, but I mean, he was fast and big and you know, this is tough guy. And, you know, I was at one of his games when he had 40 carries. Like, I don't think that's how, you know, uh, Brees Hall is necessarily going to be used, but he could, I mean, he had games where he was in the high twenties and even I think a couple 30 carry games too. So I see it. Absolutely. I think, in, you know, DeMarco Murray was a workout guy early in his career before, you know, those those uh, carry totals kind of wore them down most likely. Let's move on to the next player. It's Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Now, I think I'm just going to say off the bat that I think probably most analysts, not fantasy, but just straight, you know, talent evaluators would believe that Kenneth Walker, even though we're talking about him behind Brees Hall, is probably the best pure rusher in this year's class, five foot nine, 211 pounds, 21 years old. He'll be 22 in October. Would you agree with that before we dig in here? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big Brees Hall fan, but it was so impressive watching him kind of burst onto the scene. You know, he was sort of a change of pace guy at Wake Forest. They sent him up to Michigan state. You know, it wasn't like this ballyhooed transfer move that, you know, the Spartans fans thought was going to deliver him a championship. And all of a sudden this guy, you know, I think in his second game broke the school record for longest run. And you saw the, you know, you talked about Hall's patience and instincts. I think Walker's got those as well. I mean, he really lets his blocks develop. You know, he can run with physicality uh, when it's called for. And when it's, you know, it, it, it's time for him to put his foot in the ground and, and drive downhill, he can do that too and, and make, you know, 15-yard runs consistently. So, yeah, I think from a scheme versatility standpoint you know you could use him in a man scheme you could use him in a zone scheme he breaks tackles no matter where you have running on the field so you know I I, I think one of the phrases I used in my in my uh scouting report was like he makes lemonade out of lemons a lot where wow. looks like he's sort of trapped in the backfield and he can either burst through a tackle attempt to gain you know get back to the line of scrimmage and save two or three yards or you can just sort of, you know, cut to the edge and just get enough to to make a gain out of it. And I, you saw that a lot where 
plays that should have been minus three or minus four ended up being minus one or, or no gain. And, and that, those are big plays for, for an NFL team. They matter. They matter to fantasy, and we all, too. we all love an underdog. I mean, yes. this kid's story is so easy to root for. I mean, you he also three-star recruit out of Arlington High School, which is in Tennessee, um, despite the fact that he managed over 3,500 yards and 41 touchdowns in high school. So, like, great career. Yeah. Only received three offers from FBS programs. You mentioned it, went to Wake Forest, was like, I don't really think this is doing it for me. <laughs> and then at Michigan State, like, in his first carry as a Spartan, he rips off a 75-yard touchdown, and everyone in East Lansing, like, their, their heads exploded. Like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Is it, if you watch that, just that opening of the game, the stands are out of control. And then, you know, he went on to find the end zone like 18 more times throughout 2021. He won yeah. the Dope Walker and the Walter Camp Player of the Year awards. Like, what an incredible um, visual. What an incredible example, I guess I should say, of like giving a player a shot and him, no pun intended, running with it. Yeah. I mean, this is, he is the epitome of the transfer portal in my mind, you know, right? Uh, I mean, you know, there's some people who poo-poo that stuff or, you know, guys who switch teams multiple times. And I get that. I mean, I understand that point of it, but he was in an offense at Wake Forest that didn't suit his skills. You know, this is a, a team that was going to be throwing the football 50 times a game and, you know, he's not really a good fit in that type of system. Where better to go than Mel Tucker and in, in, in Michigan State? It was the perfect transfer in a lot of ways and the perfect usage of that player. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is it's so great this time of year when I can write, all right, this guy was a five star. This was a four star. This one was top 100. You know, we had a few zero uh, star recruits uh, come through as first round prospects. It's crazy this year. So there's there's a good mix of talent. Give me the first word that came to your mind when you saw him play. Yeah, compact. Like he's got this sort of bowling ball like frame, which it, I don't know if that makes. I mean, like I think when you first start watching him, you think of him as kind of a bigger guy, but you know he's got that five nine height and he's what two ten or whatever he is. Uh, you know, he's sort of built more like Mark Ingram a little bit, and that was one of my comps. But I mean, style wise, I don't think he necessarily runs like Ingram. But you know, it's it's really almost surprising when you notice he's not a real big guy, but he's got power in his game. You know, he is the, the, was the best tackle breaker in college football last year. So, you know, don't underestimate that, that part of his game. It's comp compact is actually a, a compliment in this case. I also just think he's like controlled chaos. Like it yeah. is, he's a little <laughs> frenzied, but not frenetic necessarily. Yep. It's, it's, it would be frenetic if it wasn't so damn effective to your point, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he's just able between the, and sometimes like, sometimes it could be a little much. You know, I, I think sure. the thing that he is the best at is also like, is there a little bit of dancing sometimes? Does he, you know, he's a Libra, man. We're indecisive. <laughs> we, we, some, I get it. I'm, I'm a Libra too. Like it's, oh, this way, this way. Uh, but he has the physical skills to be able to, whichever way he chooses, just like kind of hypnotize these defenders with all of his jukes and jump cuts and head fakes. All of it works together in this controlled chaos. It's a really like, a really beautiful symphony, if I can yeah. like wax poetic for a second, to just to like watch his cyclone of energy um on the field. Yeah. And again, it's it's unpredictable and exciting and effective. At least it was at Michigan State. That's I remember watching, I think it was TJ Yeldon in college and thinking oh, the same don't thing. Him there. No, 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 no. I just meant like <laughs> from the like a, you know, like he was a really good college running back who was like you know, it looked like people or uh, Eno Benjamin or somebody like that at, at Arizona State where you said it's like, you know, trying to tackle a, a, a like a little pocket of wind or something like that. It's just really hard to do. I mean, he's he's you're right. I think it's it's like a rolling ball of knives. Maybe that's a better uh, description of sure. it there because it's it's power, it's speed, it's it's short area quickness. It's everything. Say, you know, even a bigger issue, though, with than Hall is is his receiving ability. His right. numbers pale in comparison to what Hall did. So, again, both are great first and second down runners, but those questions will arise. And that's the issue for fantasy, right? Yeah. Everybody plays in some sort of PPR friendly format. Our standard is a half point PPR. So the question we and we've we've learned, right, that just because a player didn't do something in college doesn't mean they can't do it at right. the next level. But it just means that that opportunity and potential ROI is diminished. So it's not 
his potential as a pass catcher, but we have to go on what we've seen, and there isn't a whole lot of data supporting his immediate impact as a pass catcher. I agree. Yeah, I think had had Wake Forest seen that ability, it would have tried to, mm-hmm. to mine. It had had Michigan State seen something in practice with his ability to catch the football, they would have they would have used it more often. He really was like a true outlet passer, like the the the, the dump off uh, if you have to get it to him in the in the flat or something, occasional screen here and there. You know that's that's probably what he's going to be limited to early in his career. But depending on where he lands, maybe you get enough of the first and second down runs and you know third and short uh, work as well to make it worthwhile and and have him you know still offset that lack of receiving. So you said you comped him body-wise to Mark Ingram. What about traits-wise? Yeah, I see like a little bit of Raheem Mostert in him. And I think it was probably because I was a little bit surprised maybe. I remember seeing Mostert's pro day numbers and being like, whoa, you know, is that the same guy I watched in college? And and I think the same was true a little bit with Walker. I kind of assumed that he might be in the, you know, low four fives, maybe high four four range, but he ran a, a terrific forty yard dash. Had really good workouts overall. He's just a better athlete than I kind of realized, and um, I think that probably applies a little bit, uh, athletically speaking, to Mostert. But again, that ability to 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 rip off long runs when it's uh, you know in kind of eye catching fashion too, you're almost shocked at, at how easily it comes to both of those guys at times. But, you know, injuries and different factors as well. So it wasn't, you know, it's not a, a perfect comp, but it's sort of a a, a little bit of an athletic uh, quotient, I would say. I mean, if you're giving me Mark Ingram's size and theoretical well, durability and yes. Raheem Mostert's like traits is 438 speed, then uh, tends to pick in the draft. It's right? <laughs> pretty great. Um, yeah. For me, I saw I saw a lot of J.K. Dobbins. I loved J.K. Dobbins coming yeah, out. Um, me too. I will say asterisk to J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins was one of the best pass protectors in That's his true. class. Um, yeah. This is not the case for Walker, which we know and we've heard time and time again in fantasy is one of the pitfalls to drafting a rookie. Right? Like we talked about it earlier too with um with Brees Hall. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And. You know, that's that's part of, you know, obviously there's there's the scouting aspect and there's the fantasy aspect. And when you blend the two together, you know, it's easier to have a little bit of a lesser view of both guys because of that. And of the two, I would probably say Brees Hall would probably be a little bit you know, better suited to step in and, and be a little bit more dynamic as a pass catcher just from what I've seen. But, um, you know, I, I think at some point maybe Walker can add that element to his game. You know, similar. I mean, like I mentioned Jonathan Taylor earlier, I think there were people before his final year of college who thought he would never be able to catch the football. He had stone hands and this and that, but he got better at it. And, you know, he's he's functional at that in the NFL. And that's for some teams, it's maybe all you need. There is a third player that's been part of this top end consensus mix. Um, In fact, I would say that Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M was probably neck and neck with Hall for most of the year until the combine, he had an injury and wasn't able to test and yeah. the numbers underwhelmed. He slid a little bit. Um, but well, let's talk about him because I, again, I, I think he was probably one of the the most exciting prior to the new year. Uh, six foot tall, 217 pounds, 20 years old, which is something people love. He won't be 21 until August. So we know in Dynasty in particular how much we love young players, particularly at such a volatile position. Four-star recruit out of Klein Collins High School. Um, lots of big-name attention, Alabama, Oklahoma. But he wanted to stay close to home, went to Texas A&M, which ironically was the same place that his father went to. His dad, Fred Spiller, played tight end for the Aggies. Mm. So have to imagine there was a, a little bit of a familial connection swaying him that way. But... He could, he contributed immediately as a true freshman, started nine of 13 games, led the team in rushing as a sophomore. I love this stat. I don't really go deep into college stats, to be honest, but like he recorded six 100 yard games over eight starts and 10 contests played six 100 yard games. It blows my mind. Also earned all SEC first team honors that year. And then last year, over a thousand yards on 179 carries over 12 starts. And also, this is the big thing about Spiller 25 grabs in his final season and also recorded his first receiving touchdown in yep. 2021. Yep. 
He's a, he's a really interesting guy. And, and when I started doing a little bit of work uh, for the 2022 draft back in last summer, just kind of getting familiar with the guys, not hardcore tape watching, but, you know, he was one who stood out. There was a couple of games in 2020. I want to say one was, oh, I don't know if it was the Colorado game or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to no, that would have been this year. Colorado was this year. I'm, I think it was probably the LSU game that I watched of him in 2020. And I said, whoa, okay. You know, and I may have even been watching somebody else and just said, all right, this kid's legit. And it, he never quite put it together this year. I don't want to make it seem like he had a bad year, but there was some you know, some, some disappointing moments in games and things like that. And, and, uh, you know, just kind of left me wanting a little bit more. He had the fumble against Mississippi state and, you know, he was held in check against Alabama touchdown totals. Weren't anything special. You know, it was just, I felt like he, he underwhelmed me a tiny bit and then the combine workout happened. And it was like, do I kill him for this? Does it, you know, do I, and I really had to go back and watch the tape and I regained some of my appreciation for him, but he's, he's just outside my top five backs. And, and I have all those guys closely ranked, but I, I, I see a wow. little bit more. So you were lower on him. The consensus though, cause he's yeah. number three, almost everywhere else. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way, but I don't feel like it's, he's that far off from it either. Creativity wise. I think he's, he's got all the vision and, you know, the short area burst you're looking for. He's tough. He's going to run through some some contact. You know, I, I think he's pretty good at making the first man miss. You know, he's just got enough wiggle there. Uh, and he'll string enough, you know, 10, 12, 15-yard runs together to, to, to volume his way to 80, 90, 100 yards and things like that. He made a spectacular catch against Colorado that was, you know, it showed real great body control and concentration. And it just, I think he's, he's, he's young. And I mean, you mentioned Young as being a good thing. It is. I think he still needs a, like a patient running back coach to kind of get the best out of him. And I would love to see when, what that product is because it could be really, really good. It's interesting you said that he's lacking that patience. I think I think you're right. And I hadn't put this together. I watched an interview with him. And when he was asked to describe his playing style, he just sort of shrugged and said, I see a hole and I hit it. Yeah. And that's right. And you're like, oh, how sweet and earnest and young, frankly. <laughs> but also, you're missing that extra level, that shade, that patience that we talked about with Hall, the focus, the ability to read the field, like that evolution of skill set. So I think what you're honing on is something he admitted, whether he realized it or not. Um, I also appreciate, like, I thought he had really good jump cuts. There's nothing yeah. bad about his game, right? Yep. I just didn't, I thought he was kind of boring to be honest. Like it, it's just, it's a little bit, um, you know, it might be, I love your comp. I'm just going to say a Damian Harris is a guy that I love because he's like a jack of all trades, but a master of none, but for fantasy, like productive, right? You know, yep. you can get him in there. You know, he's going to get you something. I did comp Spiller to Joe Mixon, but I mm. think that that's a ceiling. I think that that's a bit of a reach if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Maybe not the the same kind of speed, but yeah, I, I think this the same running style is there. He's he's got a pretty big frame. He can take some some hits and tough kid. Right, he'll pop right back up. I think part of it too, and and somebody had kind of pointed this out to me probably in the you know I was actually at the combine and you know I was sort of bemoaning him a little bit because I came into the year kind of hyped and ready to go. Yeah, like, yeah, this is my dude, Isaiah Spiller. RB1. That was everybody, yeah. Yeah, and they said, you know, one of the problems was, I mean, they had Kenyon Green, who's probably going to be a first-round pick at guard, but the line lost a lot of talent from the year before. So, again, another, you know, like we said with Iowa State and Brees Hall, you know, maybe not an ideal group up front. Plus, I really think, you know, in using Harris as my comp, I thought I would love to see him go to a New England-style power gap scheme right i mean that's i think where he's best they didn't do a ton of it they ran a lot of inside zone a lot of outside zone you know a lot of mid zone and stuff and so it was like you know i don't know that that's the best way to use him he can do it but some of that lack of patience you said i think is also because of the scheme fit i think he's just better at kind of going downhill and 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 playing with power i think that's really where you're going to get the most out of him i think he needs more juice than that though because he gets tied up on ankle tackles like he can yeah. break all the arm tackles but the ankle tackles i don't know if it's because he's got kind of long legs so he brings his knees up a little bit high or gets tangled it looks like maybe yeah um, and you know some of it too like i you know you watch him on some of those zone runs and and 
you know, I don't know that he sort of presses the hole the right way. And he, he just like the timing and the feel of it fell off. And so I, I don't know if my theory is right or not. I mean, the, the, I hadn't really thought about the ankle tackle part. That's an interesting observation you made. But yeah, I, I he he's, he frightens me a little bit. Like he's got a, a fear factor about him that okay. makes me think that, you know, it's not a guaranteed success. But boy, if he gets in the right system, I think with the right coaching, he could be he could be something. Okay, so we haven't talked about landing spot, and I wanted to wait until we finished the top three. We have two okay. more players we're going to rapid fire through. But I like the idea of talking about landing spots later because there are obviously three giant landing spots that feel like, like we've got Atlanta, yeah. we've got the Texans, and we might have the Bills. Yeah. And so it feels like with these three prospects, those would be the three best landing spots. I just don't – I'm not – I'm not 100% sure that even though Brees Hall is likely to be the first running back off the board, he's going to go to the most fantasy-friendly spot. Yeah, that that's an interesting way to look at it, too, because, you know, it would require the Bills to use their first-round pick to do so or trade back from, where are they, 25 or whatever, you know. And so they've been connected a lot. Uh, you remember when Alvin Kamara was connected to the Bills every single year? I, I always remember that for some reason. It feels like Brees Hall to the Bills has been like the sort of RB connection that everyone's making. But again, it's it's going to require taking a possible, you know, or taking a guy possibly in the first round who may not deserve to go there or the value may not be there in the Bills' mind. So, yeah, I think it's fair to suggest that, you know, like I could see Spiller being a good fit with the Texans because I would assume that, you know, they they might run a little bit of power there. Um, I don't know. It's it's sort of interesting when you when you frame it that way because you could make a case for all those guys. I mean, Hall in Atlanta would be really interesting too. I'd like to see that. I thought Hall was going to go to Tampa Bay until Leonard Fournette resigned. Right, your Fournette was out the door. This is an absolute dream scenario for for Hall but now I'm a little bit I'm a little bit worried about Hall's potential touch total because I don't know where he's gonna fall versus where the teams are picking and and the various um openings I think like I don't know Spiller to me as someone of the three probably the most proven pass catcher there's a spot in Atlanta for him that to me makes a little bit more sense but you make a good point about the Texans like any of these. So, so go ahead and w- w- using your, you're talking to scouts, your phone's yeah. always blown up. You were at the combine, you and you and Charles Robinson went <laughs> on and ate all the horseradish and shrimp at Elmo's. <laughs> so um, are you, what whispers, what are your sparrows saying? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I mean, I, I think people were down on the quarterback class and down on the running back class. From what I could gather, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, at that point, I think some people were wondering whether, uh, whether whether Kenneth Walker would run a fast enough 40 to 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 sort of secure RB1 status and he did but then Hall goes out and you know and puts up an even better yeah. workout all around so you know that that kind of started the debate a little bit there so to be honest there, there wasn't a lot of buzz this year around the running backs that I heard um some of the guys you have a little bit lower on your list it, it's been interesting kind of talking to people about them and yeah again it's it's I think there was disappointment that that James Cook didn't go to the Senior Bowl. That would have been – I think he would have really stood out there. So we missed out on that, and we didn't get to see, you know, a full workout from him either. Well, then let's talk about these other guys really quickly, and maybe that will help. If one of, the, one of these five goes to either the Texans or the Falcons, their fantasy stock is Absolutely. going to be through the roof. Even with Marcus Mariota potentially, for as long as Marcus Mariota is going to stay healthy, that is, <laughs> potentially – you know, uh, vulturing the goal line. I still think any one of these five guys could make a giant fantasy impact for those two locations. Personally, I'd love to see Walker in Buffalo because of the wild skill set that we talked about attached to Josh Allen and that the frenzy of that whole offense would be a lot of fun. But let's start with Kieran Williams, Notre Dame, not CJ Procise. Let's get CJ Procise out of everybody's minds. I know we're all stinging from it. Maybe I'm just speaking from experience. This is a new person, five foot nine, one ninety four. So size, interesting. 21 years old. He's from St. Louis. Also played defense in college. I like some of those players who've like moved around in different formations or know different sides of the ball. I think it gives another layer to their skill sets. He received offers from Michigan and Wisconsin, but decided to go to Notre Dame and committed early. In fact, didn't see much much action until 2020. And then he led the Irish in rushing 
in back-to-back seasons, and most notably, he posted 77 catches for over 670 receiving yards over those last two college efforts. Um, give me what he does best and what his biggest con is. Yeah, I would say his his biggest strength would be third down ability. I mean, I think that's really where he's going to shine, and it's going to reflect in my in my comp that I made for him. I mean, he's he's a very tough kid. He's he seems like he is you know, going to be a coach's dream. I've heard he's interviewed well. You know, there was some question about uh, like maturity a little bit earlier in his career, but I haven't heard much since then on that. You know, they 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 really swore up and down about his uh, his ability. I know his dad played football. I think his uncle played football as well, college and maybe even pro as well. But, you know, team captain type with some toughness despite the lack of size, uh, really valuable on third downs, uh, pass protection skills for, you know, he's probably... He's certainly the most willing pass protector that I watched this year. Wasn't always beautiful, but it was, I mean, like he savored that duty. And that's the kind of player I think he is. And more instinctive runner than maybe he's given credit for, too. And uh, I think will be, you know, a very, very solid functional pro. So that uh, pass protection was a question because yeah. uh, there's some there are conflicting reports yeah. about I think you I think you answered it though by saying he's a willing pass protector even if his technique is not up to snuff. Yeah, he he comes flying in sometimes and tries to like knock guys off their block. I mean, your job is to get in the way and I think there's a little bit of uh zeal that needs to be sort of toned down in that regard, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, he's he's a gritty kid. I mean, he does everything he did everything that they asked him to do there, you know, including giving up some of his carries at times, but yeah, he's I think he's got good vision as a pass protector too. You know, these guys have to make choices, right? They have to decide who's coming on a blitz which lineman is being taxed the most, what are our protection schemes and how to, you know, what are my responsibilities? Um, he made a couple of late saves. He's got really good recovery ability. Like we talk about offensive linemen having that, uh, you know, he made a play against Cincinnati where they came on a pressure uh, and, you know, the cone doesn't get the ball off. I don't, I think he was a quarterback. I'm sure I remember who was throwing, but, you know, basically any other quarterback or any other uh uh, backfield, I should, should say, the quarterback gets killed. You know, he came in and made one of those sort of Walter Payton plays. And you go, wow. So you're right. I, I think it's fair to say that you know, his willingness to do it is up there, his toughness, and he just needs a little bit of technique work there. Obviously, you talked about his third down potential, right? And when we talk about pass catchers out of the backfield, like yeah. I think people have to understand that there are running backs who run routes now. Like we're this is yes. a modern era NFL. Like this kid isn't just taking dump offs. He's running slot routes. Like he yep. is being used as a receiver in the game. That is definitely a pro. But you also said because of that, maybe his ability as a runner is being overshadowed. And yet he only ran a four, six, five. Yeah. So how concerned are you about that amalgamation of skills? Yeah. I'm okay with four, six running backs. I really am. I mean, I, I've, 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 I've learned to accept that in the sense that, you know, our immediate reaction is, well, he didn't run a four, four. He didn't run a low four, five too. And I mean, it's not, you know, correct. That's, that's a fair question to raise is that if you're a 235 pound back and you run a four six okay there's really you know size to speed ratio but if you're you're five nine 187 or whatever he is okay that's a different different discussion here what eased my concern a little bit is that his 10 yard split was rather good i think it was a one five five or one five six which would put him kind of in the upper end the higher end of, of running back so he just doesn't have long speed you know, if you're in a, a a zone system where, you know, you're requiring these guys to, you know, hit hit a straight way for, for 15, 20 yards, maybe he's not your man. But, you know, in a, in a combination of zone and, and gap scheme, in a pure gap system, you know, what he gives you as a runner will, will be, that speed will be ample. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, hitting more than doubles in the NFL. He's mostly a singles hitter as a runner. So that speed issue is what led me to my comp. I I, I cheated a little bit here because okay. I like to say at at a player's ceiling, he's this guy. And at his yeah. floor, he's this guy. Maybe he ends up somewhere on that spectrum. So to me, 
at his ceiling, he could be Austin Eckler. And you know, I don't throw that comp around lightly. I know. It's my bed. Yeah. Right. So like, um, I do, I do feel some of that, but at his floor, I'm feeling much more Miles Gaskin vibes. I, I love that comp. I think that's 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 one of your better ones too. I mean, the okay. usage wise, absolutely. What Eckler? I don't think he's as twitchy and as you know, like uh, you know, I mean, like the Houdini act stuff. I don't see. You think you'll see a ton of that, but certainly the toughness that Austin Eckler has. But Gaskin, I think skill set wise, makes a lot of sense. I came up with James White. I don't know if that's perfect, but in terms of how he'll be utilized, his his rough size. You know, if you have to lean on him as a as a uh, you know, a volume back for a game or two, like the Patriots did in the Super Bowl that one year. Okay, you can do it, sure. right? He's tough enough. He's instinctive. He'll know the the playbook back and forth. But yeah, over the course of a season, probably not. Which is why, you know, Gaskin, I think, nails it. Oh, okay. Well, I love it. that's also good for fantasy minds, right? We got it. We got to understand like. What's realistic? Not just every, every not everybody can be Alvin, uh, an Alvin Kamara comp right. and a Jonathan Taylor comp, and right, like we're in a Joe Mixon comp. Like, let's give some variation here. Um, yeah. Last guy we're going to talk about. This is a. I'm really high on James Cook out of Georgia. You mentioned his absence from the Senior Bowl. I too was disappointed. He's probably best known for being Dalvin Cook's little brother. So let's mm-hmm. get that out of the way. He's five <laughs> foot eleven, 199 pounds. 22 years old. He'll be 23 in September. So if we're talking about age, if people want to get hung up on it, it's obviously a little bit older than some of the other top running backs in this year's class, but he has been an immediate impact player since high school. He did it when he went to Miami Central. He did it in college where he uh, he actually initially committed to Florida State because he wanted to go follow his brother. Um, but then... He went to Georgia, and after Georgia's 2021, I think he's probably feeling himself with that decision. Yeah. Um, and it, let's see. I think part of the reason, if we're going to talk about his role at Georgia, like Georgia's a powerhouse, obviously, but he has for a long time been part of a timeshare. And I think that's maybe why he's fallen a little bit in the rankings. This past year, he was the 1B to Zamir White's 1A. So what's your take on that situation and his potential as a standalone running back? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I suspect that he doesn't have the play strength and the, you know, Hmm. the the sheer bulk uh, to to hold up over the course of a season as a, a, you know, 200-ish carry running back but you know whatever I don't know what the even the leading backs get these days it feels like it's less and less but yeah I mean I I I think he's really going to be your 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 perfect compliment and not just because that was how he's used it at Georgia I just think you know his game is really slated towards like there were scouts asking to see when he had first committed to the senior bowl they said we want to see him at slot receiver you know we want to see what his not just his third down ability, but kind of what you were talking about with Kyron Williams, like running option routes and, and, you know, how well does he do that sort of thing? I mean, he's, he's got home run ability. There's no doubt about it, but as an every down back boy, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, for a team that, that maybe doesn't run the ball a a ton, I could see it in the right kind of system where your number two is maybe a little bit of a bigger back. Maybe. Yeah, I could see, but you're right. I mean, he's got the burst and he's got the the playmaking ability that some of these other guys we mentioned may not have on a consistent play-by-play basis. He's just so smooth. I think like if, if um, Walker is twitchy and shifty, he is smooth and fluid and like, just like water through holes. Yes. And you mentioned like his pass catching ability. I mean, he runs a real route tree at this fascinating stat about um, wanting to see him as a slot receiver. I think, you know, you're right when you mention his cons, right? He's not terribly physical. He won't break a lot of tackles. He yeah. has trouble sustaining power. But I mean, maybe we have been drunk on too many Kyle Shanahan zone scheme running backs who just fly. And he's just, he seems to me so perfectly built for that sort of system. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and I just so I'm, so it's clear, like I'm not questioning his toughness. It's actually really tough. Like he took some big hits this year. I just think he's just not going to be strong enough to sort of Mm. withstand the kind of punishment there. I don't know if I said that wrong or what, but yeah. 
I think you're right. I think I think the and the Shanahan tree keeps growing and the you know Oof. the McVeigh tree and <laughs> we were growing in every uh, corner of the NFL universe. It feels like. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's, I think, the perfect home for him and, and a creative offensive mind that will, you know, use him on some, um, you know, jet sweeps and, you know, motion him into the backfield from the slot and vice versa. And, he, and again, just play him as a strict wide receiver on, on some of these plays, too. I mean, I I think that's really where you're going to get your most bang for the buck from him and have him be a, a 15 touch guy, you know, eight carries eight catches boom there you go i think that could be a, a he could be a really impactful player at that at that volume comp him for us i don't think i even came up with one ahead of time this is i haven't written him up yet but let me think here i think i think naheem hines is the one that i, I had in mind i don't know if i if i officially stamped that yeah. or not I did, okay so the thing with hines is like you know you could you could make a case that Boy, he deserves more carries, but there's Jonathan Taylor there, right? Obviously, but when they mm. when they do use him, you know, he's got that little slashing ability. He's comfortable running just about any kind of route, similar sort of package size wise. So yeah, I mean that's that was that was the guy that I think I ended up on. JD McKissick comes to mind. He's kind of like a thorn in the side of an RB one for fantasy managers. Yeah, I I think that he I I came up with Andre Ellington. Yeah. Honestly. Yep. Um, right. Size is right on, receiving ability, but I do think Cook is faster. He has better footwork. And I would, I do see some shades of a less powerful, which is seems to be the theme here, Aaron Jones. Like if Cook could land in a zone scheme system with a with a quarterback yeah. that knows how to uh you know, that, that defenses have to regularly account for, a la Aaron Rodgers, I feel like he could fly for fantasy, especially in, like, as we're talking about PPR. It, you got me thinking now, because I, I, I specifically remember questioning whether Jones, <laughs> coming out of college, could be a, a volume guy. And, and mm. you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something to that, to where, you know, you, you look at players in that, in that kind of 200-pound range. Maybe Jones is a little thicker, but I, I don't yeah. recall, but... But yeah, I mean, he's been a consistent kind of 200 plus carry guy the last three, four years and made it work. And obviously he's put up bonkers numbers, doesn't miss games too terribly often. So, you know, having said that, I maybe, maybe, maybe Cook, I'm underestimating his, uh, his three down 17 game ability here. Any landing spots? that come to mind now that we've mentioned the last two players. Yeah. And you've got me thinking too, with the, the kind of the star quarterback element to it. I mean, boy, do we, do we dare put him in Kansas city or something like that? I'm just trying to think of a play. Obviously they have uh, Edwards Lair. Yeah. I I'd have to, who do you got? I gotta, I gotta think of a little bit on this one. Um, well, you know, I don't know if it'll work and there's so many weapons, but like Miami might be interesting. Sure. If I'm thinking about the Shanahan tree. Right. right? Good point. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, and just a type, right? Like having a, a particular type. Wait a um, minute. We're missing the obvious one. Minnesota. He's he's Dalvin's compliment. Wait a minute. This is you, you, I know you wanted to avoid the brother talk, but <laughs> think about who their coach is, right? It's Kevin O'Connell. I mean Oh, you're right. I mean, I'm just saying, how did we overlook that? Wow. How did I overlook that? I don't know. I mean, there's probably a writer in Dalvin's contract saying a, no compete, <laughs> a literal no compete clause in right. Dalvin's hey, hey, especially contract. Especially not him, right? Yeah, right. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I want you to rank these guys now, one through five. Who are your tops? Yeah, I, the ones that we talked about are just my yeah. overall. Well, if top there are five. more okay. that fantasy heads need to, so so full disclosure, listeners, these are the yeah. five that are the consensus most discussed. So those are the five that we are going to profile in my written series, my rookie snapshot profile. I do the I do a deep dive on the top three we talked about. Yeah, Eric profiles all of the players and has tons of literature so if there are other players that you want to we won't be covering them here but if other player if, if fantasy managers or listeners want to do some homework on their own who are your top five yeah uh so the guys we talked about i would put Brees hall first yeah. little you know small gap or small drop to kenneth walker you know just again i think a little bit of that home run ability uh i would probably put cook third i mean i just think that he's got a little bit better chance especially from a fantasy perspective to be kind of that that 
special difference making back, even if his, you know, his touches are, are managed a little bit early. Atlanta might be a good spot too. thinking of that, not just for geography reasons, but, you know, and then the question is, do, do you put more faith in, in Spiller eventually becoming more of a complete back? Cause he's got, I think more potential physically speaking than Kyron Williams does. But I think Kyron Williams is a higher floor because I think he I, I feel confident that he's gonna do something. Like if you told me in three years, you know, or told me tomorrow that Spiller's gonna be a boss in three years, would I be stunned? No. Would I also be tempted to bet on him? Yes. So from that perspective, Kyron Williams just gives you a little bit more sort of guaranteed money. If you're if you're one of those uh people on your your 401k allocations says I'm I'm a little bit conservative. <laughs> You're going Kyron Williams. If you're a little bit more of the risky type, the younger, you know, uh, got my whole life in front of me, maybe Isaiah Spiller would be your pick. So it's it's tricky kind of separating those two. You like Damon Pierce too, right? I do. If I had to make a top five just of, of, of all these guys, I'm actually shocked that like there hasn't been a little bit more buzz on him, but Pierce just didn't get the ball last year. I cannot believe it watching him run the football that this guy, I think had a hundred touches, a hundred carries or whatever it was. I mean, it was, it was a crime against humanity to see him get three or four great runs and then they pull him out and you don't see him for, for, you know, eight minutes of football. Like what, what's going on here? Right. Is that why Dan Mullen got fired? Uh, it should be. I think that's a good reason. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Algier too, from um, BYU. Boy, there's something about this kid. That's like, I don't know if he's Arian Foster or what, but I mean, they, he is really a fascinating player who, has that home run ability and a big back's body. I mean, he's he's really interesting. All right, so there's there's some extra names you guys can study. Um, uh, my top five, we talked Brees Hall. I'm, I'm surprised we're in step here. Brees Hall, then I've got Walker. Yep. Then I've got Cook. I'm okay. I am surprised. I, I feel good about myself actually for putting him number three. We got to agree uh, once in a while, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think we agree most of the time. We then do. I would take we Spiller do. because I think that Spiller. Your your Harris comp really. I, I just think you have a higher floor in terms of pr- productivity, potential yeah. productivity, um, and then and then um, the Notre Dame kid last Williams. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a fair. I think that's. I think that ultimately, uh, if you're going to bet on one of those two to have a little bit, you know, more diverse career, maybe maybe Spiller gives it to you. But Kyron Williams, I think, is going to be very valuable. Just from a fantasy perspective, it's got to be that PPR type of league. I think. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for this episode. Our first edition of the Rookie Snapshot Pod, starting off with running backs. If you want more, you can follow me on Twitter at LizLoza underscore FF. You can follow Eric at Eric underscore Edholm. And while you're there, make sure you're following the mothership at Yahoo Fantasy. Matt Harmon will be back on Tuesday with special guest Matt Waldman. If you want talent, eval, my gosh, he is the king. For more draft talk, until then, we're out. <laughs>